Good evening, everyone. Um, I'm going to start with a partial body scan meditation, and then I'll talk a little bit about um, mindful listening. Uh, the two are connected, but um, but let's begin with the body scan. Okay. So um, please get into a comfortable position. We'll do this for about 25 minutes or so. Uh, if you're able to and you want to, feel free to lie down. Um, but I'll be doing the sitting up and you can too. And to begin, just take stock of how the body as a whole is feeling, feel its, its mass, the pull of gravity. Feel the way that your seat, the ground supports your weight. Might take a moment just to notice whether there are parts of the body that feel particularly tight or uncomfortable. And whether parts of the body might feel quite good and fresh and alive. Take a moment to check in with how the mind is doing, whether it feels scattered. Anxious or perhaps tired. Or just present and alert, just notice how it is. And then for, for the rest of this meditation, I'm just gonna begin to direct your awareness to different parts of the body. <clears throat> and all you have to do is just notice how that part of the body feels, what sensations you feel there. I'm not trying to do anything to these different body parts. We're not trying to alter the sensations. We're just noticing. Just noticing. Sometimes when we bring our awareness in this way to different parts of the body, the sensations that we feel there may alter precisely because of our awareness, just in the way that sometimes when you notice that you are hunching your shoulders up unnecessarily, just becoming aware of that actually enables you to release that tension. You realize, oh, wow, I'm holding my shoulders up. I don't really need to be doing that. And you can feel your shoulders drop. So in that way, as we bring our awareness to different parts of the body, you may notice that the awareness itself causes a change. 
the sensations you're observing. And if that happens, that's wonderful. But if not, don't worry. Just let whatever you feel be there. So to begin, let's please bring our awareness to the sole of our right foot, the bottom of your right foot. And just notice how the sole of your right foot feels, what sensations there are. in the balls, the ball of your right foot, in the arch of that foot. In the heel area. Do you feel any tingling, any tension, any pulsing, just notice. And now bring your words to your toes starting with your big toe and moving step by step to the little toe. And it's possible that in some of these areas that we're going to bring our attention to that you don't feel much of anything at all. And if that's the case, just Notice that, just notice that there isn't much to feel. There's absolutely nothing unusual or wrong if you don't feel anything in a particular part of the body. Just notice that absence of sensation. Now please bring your awareness to the top of the right foot. And now the ankle on your right leg. Let your awareness sink into the ankle joint area, not just on the surface, but even noticing how it feels in the structure of that joint. How about the lower leg, the calf muscle? The shin area running up and down the front side of your right leg.
and then your right knee. And as with the ankle, not just the surface of the knee, but explore inside the knee joint area. And if you ever encounter any discomfort or pain, just try to approach that, those sensations of discomfort or pain with softness. Let whatever sensations you discover, even sensations of pain, just be there. Let them float in your awareness. Try to soften around those sensations. And now how about the right thigh? And then the right hip area. And then please bring your awareness to your glutes, your buttocks. These are muscles where many people can carry residual tension throughout the day. So don't be surprised if you encounter some tension in these big, powerful muscles. Just notice how they feel, just with curiosity. Now let's do the left leg and begin, as we did with the right, with the bottom of the left foot. the ball of the left foot. The arch. The heel area of the left foot. And then the toes, big toe to little toe, toe by toe. And now the top of the left foot, just feeling whatever sensations there may be. over that surface area. 
and then the left ankle. And then the left calf muscle. And then the shin area, up and down the front side of the left leg, lower left leg. <clears throat> and it's okay if you can't label or name the sensations you're encountering. It's not necessary, just feel them. Just notice what the sensations feel like in each area we scan. Now let's check out the left knee. In and around the patella. and then deeper into the structure of the knee joint. And then the left thigh muscle. And then the left hip area. Now please bring your awareness to your lower belly, the part of your belly that is below your belly button. And just notice whatever sensations there are in the lower belly. This is a place where we can carry a lot of emotional energy, a lot of different kinds of sensations, some of which may be uncomfortable. If you notice any aversion to what you're feeling, try to soften into the sensations. Let your awareness of the lower belly be soft, gentle. And if you feel any tension or holding in the lower belly, 
say silently to yourself, soften, inviting this belly area to release a bit of its holding, its tension. Soften. Can you feel the belly, the lower belly move at all as you breathe in and out? Invite the breath to move into the lower belly, not forcing the breath down there, but just inviting the belly to soften enough to receive the breath. Now please bring your awareness to the upper belly, upper half, belly button up to the bottom of the rib cage. And just notice what sensations there are there. Feel how the belly as a whole moves as you breathe. It may be a very slight movement. Some of us breathe more up in the chest area than in the belly, and that's fine. Just notice if you can feel any movement at all in the belly as you breathe in and out. Now let your awareness move a bit upward into the rib cage. And just feel how your ribs and the muscles and connective tissue between your ribs feel as your chest expands and contracts with each breath. No need to manipulate the breath, no need to control the breath. Just let the breath come and go at its own pace. Just feel, just watch how the ribcage feels. Notice which ribs move first when you breathe in. Try to feel the texture of the movements of the rib cage as a whole as it expands 
and then contracts. Now let your awareness move to the center of the chest, the sternum area. Just feel the sensations in that breastbone area that are associated with the breath. And if this area feels tight, or hard even, let your awareness soften, just letting those sensations of tension be there, letting them float in a soft awareness that can hold them. Just letting be. however it feels. Now please let your awareness circle around to the backside of your body and down to the bottom of your spinal column. <clears throat> and feel the sensations in and around the spine in the lower back. Feel the muscles to either side of the spine and then radiating left and right from there, just the muscles of the lower back in general. Some of us may have semi-chronic or chronic lower back pain. There may be some discomfort here. So please let your awareness be soft. making room for whatever it encounters. When the lower back is soft and pliant, we can feel the breath. in that area. See if you can soften the lower back enough so that you can feel it move, even if very slightly as you breathe in and out.
Now let your awareness move up to between your shoulder blades and your upper back. And at first, just explore the sensations in this area, in and around the shoulder blades and the muscles that run alongside the spine and your upper back and just feel what there is to feel. And notice how this part of your back also moves with the breath. Feel the sensations in the upper back throughout the course of an entire inhalation and exhalation, feeling how the sensations there change moment by moment throughout the course of a single full breath. Now, please bring your awareness to your shoulder muscle, a muscle in particular that runs from your shoulder socket or joint all the way up to the base of your skull. Those muscles that we put so much strain on when we bend over looking at our screens throughout the day. Just notice how they feel. And perhaps you can even feel some movement up there in the shoulder muscles as you breathe in and out. Now, please bring your awareness to the very top of your head, the crown of your head. What sensations do you find up there? Any tingling? Any tension? or anything else. Now let your awareness move to your forehead. 
Perhaps we've spent some time lately furrowing our brows with worry or just deep in thought. We may feel some residual tension or even fatigue. It may be very subtle. Just notice. Let's move down into our eyes and the soft tissue around our eyes. Indeed, here we may feel some fatigue because of the amount of time we spend looking at screens or reading. Perhaps you will feel some fatigue or even tension that is just kind of residual, hanging out even with their eyes closed, not looking at anything. Just feel and invite the eyes to soften. They can rest now for a few minutes. Now let's move our awareness to our jaw muscles, the muscles that we use to chew. How do your jaw muscles feel? Some of us carry quite a bit of tension here. Sometimes so much we grind our teeth at night. So there may be some significant discomfort in these muscles, so please be gentle. Let what you find in the jaw muscles be there, not trying to force them to relax. Let them be, just be aware of how they feel. And now let's move into the mouth cavity and explore this series of muscles connected together that make up our tongue. And to begin, just notice how your tongue is situated in your mouth cavity. Is it pressed up against any part of the mouth cavity up against the top or against the backs of the teeth? Just notice that, how it is positioned. Bring your awareness now to the tip of the tongue and feel if there's any tension being held there. Or in the big meaty middle part of your tongue. 
kind of sensations do you feel there? And if you discover any tension that is at this moment not necessary, perhaps just invite it to release. And how about the sensations in the back of the tongue where your tongue disappears down your throat? In the last place we'll scan is our lips. Just notice how the lips are feeling. No matter how they're feeling, perhaps allow yourself to have a slight smile and see the kind of transformation bringing a slight smile to your mouth can create throughout your whole body and mind. You know, let's just sit here for a minute, just feeling our body sitting, feeling the breath. Feeling the air on our skin. And hearing the sound in the space around us. So that's it for the body scan. Please take your time for transitioning from this practice into the discussion portion of the evening. So, wow, that took a little bit longer. I'm not surprised than what I thought it was going to be. Um, but I hope you felt it was worth it. Um, so, um, 
just want to say a few words about um, bringing mindfulness to the way we listen to others speak, especially I think in the context of one-on-one conversations. Um, just a few thoughts. I mean, last last Tuesday I talked a little bit about bringing mindfulness act, everyday activities like eating, doing the dishes, things like that. And yet, I think one of the most powerful and those are all wonderful practices. Um, and um, but I think one of the most powerful places where we can bring uh, mindfulness is to the way that we um, listen to someone when they're telling us something, or when to conversations, also the way we speak. But I actually think bringing awareness to speech is probably the most challenging place to um, to to bring practice. Um, it's probably one of the most important places, but it's also one of the most challenging. And so um, I think I just want to focus um, on listening for now. It's already a, a fairly substantial topic. Um, but um, not only can bringing mindfulness to listening really, I think, um, transform the way that we engage with others, interact with others, the effects that we have on others. But it's also just a very powerful practice. I actually find it, um, um, yeah, just, uh, it's it's as powerful as sitting meditation in a way. Um, so um, I think, you know, instead of like, I'm gonna just take a slice of this and I'm gonna um, present a kind of um, exercise that we can do to practice mindful listening that I think I've talked about once or twice before in this class, but it may have actually have been over a year or two since I've last talked about it. So I think maybe a number of you will not have heard me speak about this, but there's an, um, there is this uh, exercise called deep listening, which um, is a way of practicing mindful listening. Um, and, uh, and I think I'm gonna just describe it uh, and what it can feel like, because um, I think then it'll be easier to understand like how we can bring that to everyday life. Um, there's actually uh, two people who haven't been coming to the group lately, um, but used to come, um, Carrie and Laura, they're both um, therapists. And actually um, one of them told me um, that they actually, after, when they heard me describe this exercise, they actually started to do it with each other. Um, they became the deep listening pals and they call each other and do this deep listening exercise regularly. And they found it really powerful. Um, so it's actually quite simple. Uh, you just pair up with someone and you make an agreement with them that each person will sp speak to the other for seven or eight minutes straight. Um, without, you know, it's not like you have to keep speaking nonstop. It's not like free writing or something, but it's just like, you'll speak for seven or eight minutes. It's not a conversation. And the other person will just listen. That's it. Um, and um, it's actually interesting for both people. I'm going to focus on what happens to the listener and what that feels like. It's actually really interesting for the speaker. Um, and I, I would encourage, you know, it doesn't, there's not, it's not, there's not a lot of fancy directions. It's sort of just like, speak about maybe something that sort of feels like it's mattering to you, that's maybe weighing on you, you know, so that there's some kind of heft to it. That's not, you're not just 
talking about like, you know, the TV show you watched yesterday or something like this, but what's weighing on you and just talk. Um, one interesting thing that I have experienced, and I think it's actually, I've heard that is quite common, is that the first four or five minutes are actually quite easy, but then you start to run out of stuff. Like you can only speak in a canned way for about four to five minutes, and you got to start digging deep if you're actually gonna keep speaking for the full seven or eight minutes. And that's when it starts to get really interesting. And so from the speaker's perspective, it's really fascinating. We realize, you know, we, we can all fill up time pretty readily, but only so much. And then you gotta start really like, what do I really care about? What am I really thinking or feeling? So anyway, um, so even the speaking part of this exercise is really fascinating and I encourage you to try it if you can. You have to find a, re a ready and willing partner, but, um, but if you can. But then from the listener's point of view, all you're doing is listening. That's all. And, um, and you're, it's not a conversation. You're just listening. And in the context of this group, we're trying to listen mindfully. You know, I don't think one needs to bring explicit mindfulness practice into the exercise of deep listening. But if you do, I think its power just increases like tenfold. And that's the reason I'm bringing it up because it's an amazing way to practice the act of mindful listening. And, um, and you know, you don't have to be like stone-faced. You can, you know, nod. You can sort of register that you're, you know, acknowledge that you're listening, but not too much. Just say you're there. And basically you're just listening. And then it just gets really interesting because what you'll start to, to realize are all the ways in which it's hard just to listen. Like that we, we, we want to interject, you know, we, we, um, we uh, in, 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 all, in all different kinds of ways. But um, uh, for example, you know, if someone um, is talking about something that's troubling them, you know, the impulse to want to say something that you think will be helpful, right? To give advice that, that to help, you know, to help the other person, or if they seem like they're kind of struggling to figure out what to say next, do you want to jump in, you know, and, um, you know, not, not allow any uncomfortable silence to settle in. Right. Um, uh, so it, it is just really, a wonderful way to um, start to sense in ourselves, like how um, how much thinking is going on as we, how many impulses we feel to intervene when we're just listening to someone else. And really, the what we're trying to do is just be present, just be present with the person, just absorb, just take in whatever it is that they're saying and take this opportunity to notice in what ways um, we have trouble just listening. Um, also, another thing that's very common is thinking about what we're gonna say next in response to what they're saying. So instead of actually just purely taking in the anticipating of the next moment that we'll speak. And so like, what am I gonna say to this person, right? Instead of just listening. Um, so, um, it, it's just, I mean, I mean, it just experiencing that 
I think it's revelatory if you've never tried it. And it, um, I don't think it's, you know, it's, I don't mean to make it sound like a super big deal. It's not, but it is just fascinating when you realize like how difficult it can be just to listen, you know? Um, and so um, this is a, it's a form of practice. It's an exercise that we're doing. It's actually like, of course, in real life, we're using that in conversations, right? And so speaking is important. It's not as if somehow we're not, we shouldn't be speaking to people like when we're in conversation. But I think what doing this can enable us to experience is what it's like to just be present for someone so that in an ordinary conversation outside this practice context, when we do want to speak, we're not speaking in a reactive way. We're not, we're not speaking um, just because we're like trying to like already anticipate the next thing to be said, or because we you know, want to make the other person feel um, like, you know, not that for there not to be any awkward silence there. Um, or um, yeah, I mean, and also, you know, even like someone, so I can imagine someone thinking right now, well, well, you know, isn't it kind of kind and thoughtful to not let the other person, you know, feel like there's an awkward silence, but of course, you know, you never know what might come if you just don't interrupt at that moment, like what, what might emerge in that person's, you know, speech, if you didn't try to smooth out the conversation by um, avoiding any kind of awkwardness. And also this is, I think, a really fascinating thing that I'm just gonna speak from my own experience is that um, one thing I sensed as I start to do this practice more often is the ways in which a lot of things that I thought I was doing for the other person, like, oh, like, you know, helping the conversation along um, or, um, you know, uh, giving them, the thoughtful piece of advice that I thought they really need to hear to, you know, to make things better for them. How much of that was actually motivated, not primarily by a concern for them, but actually out of a kind of reaction I was having to an anxiety that I would feel on myself when I start to sense the other person being a little bit unsettled. Like um, it, it's, I started to feel the ways in which I was um, a good conversational partner, good in square, scare quotes, because I was very vigilant about how the other person was feeling. But often it was in order to manage my own anxiety, you know, in case I felt any kind of like, oh, wait, no, this is, this is, this is, you know, this is some awkward sounds coming where that person feels a little uncomfortable. So let me quickly make it better. But because I didn't want them to feel uncomfortable because it would make me feel uncomfortable. You know, instead of um, giving them space to feel however they felt. Um, so, um, and um, one of the one of the things that I noticed when I started practicing this form of listening more often is how much less tiring conversations would be because when I would um, be in this hyper engaged mode you know, like kind of like um, always ready to allay any even momentary form of discomfort that might appear in a conversation. Um, it, it, was, it was a lot of work, a lot of mental work to like, you know, stay tuned in in that way. And I think that I was also transmitting a certain background sense of anxiety that I 
really felt that the other person could sense, even if they would not be able to articulate it, that they could sense that I was would be made uncomfortable by their discomfort. And this would create a certain kind of context of discomfort in the conversation or background anxiety, which would make the whole conversation feel a little bit more on edge than it um, would otherwise. And when I became much more comfortable just letting the other person speak and not so um, uh, anxious, to manage the conversation, to make it run smoothly or in the way that I thought smooth um, should look. Um, the, the, these kinds of um, interactions, these one-on-one -on -one interactions ended up feeling just much more settled, I think, for both people. Um, there was just much more comfort with moments when we didn't know what to say when there wasn't something particular to say. There was also much more comfort, um, I think actually just sharing more freely about whatever might be on the other person's mind because I think they could sense that I was not going to be reactive to what they were bringing up. You know, I was just being open to whatever would come up. Um, so, um, you know, I think, uh, People at, at my school have often asked me, you know, because they know how many one-on-one -on -one meetings I have with students. So I have, I um, I make myself available for half-hour-long office hour sessions. I don't I don't do these kind of office hours where people line up and you could do five minutes at a time and it's like a line of people because I feel like you know people need time to just really um, for it to be a meaningful conversation. So I I, I schedule half-hour conversations. I end up doing like you know. I don't know, something like 10 to 15 hours of these, like a week, usually, when I'm teaching in the regular semester. And people will often ask me, like, you know, isn't it exhausting, you know, to do that? Um, especially because I, um, a lot of students will bring things that are troubling them, you know, um, difficulties they're having to these kinds of conversations. But actually, um, they're not. They were when I thought, saw it as my job to make them feel better. They were when I saw it as my job to like, you know, manage how these conversations turned out. But when it just became offering presence, just being with them, however they were, it actually became as refreshing as sitting meditation feels. It also, I think, became much more satisfying to people who were coming to meet with me um, because they didn't feel like there had to be some kind of like, resolution at the end of each kind of conversation, like things you know, had to be worked out or something. Um, so um, I think one of the, the real deep benefits that mindfulness practice brings for ability to have conversations with others is that what we're doing when we're practicing mindfulness, just as we did, I think, today, when we did the body scan, is learn how to accept whatever our inner experience is like in a given moment, right? We may feel discomfort in a part of our body. We may feel some anxiety in our chest or belly, right? But it's just part of the, the full range of our experience, and we can just let it be. Um, I think when we can do that with ourselves, we can do that so much more readily 
with other people, we can hold space for whatever they may be feeling without conveying that kind of inner reactivity that we can sometimes feel when we aren't able to accept our own experience. If we aren't able to make space for our own experience, then of course it's gonna be hard to make space for whatever someone else is feeling. If someone else brings us discomfort and we can't even tolerate our own, then we'll be reactive in some way. You know, I think we're all gonna try and we won't broadcast it, but I think humans are very sensitive and we can feel it. We can feel that kind of, you know, edginess, you know. Um, and so I think it's one of the greatest gifts to give to someone is the ability just to be with yourself fully so that you can also be with them fully. Um, it's just presence, you know, it's just being a, a time and a space where you can just be together. You know, um, and I think miracles can happen if you can just cultivate that kind of space for yourself and others. Um, I think it's one of the things that um, chaplains, for example, are asked to do when they go into, you know, um, the rooms of people at end of life or just in hospitals in general, you know. Um, to leave everything that you think you're supposed to do, all the ideas you might have about helping other person at the door and just be there, right, with them. Just be. Um, there's actually a, um, I just want to end with a short passage from a book that Stephen Levine wrote called Healing into Life and Death, in which I think he gives a really pretty extreme but very powerful example of the kind of gift that being, um, that mindful presence can give to someone else. Um, so it's this account of a woman who was in a hospital in considerable chronic pain and the way she experienced how certain kind of people would um, visit her versus some other kinds of people. And the difference is, you know, could these people be with themselves? And if they couldn't, then um, what was it like to be her in their presence, right, in that space? So um, it's just a paragraph. So a woman in a hospital in considerable pain told us she felt there were two kinds of people who came into her room. She said she noticed one kind of person could hardly sit down next to her. And when they did, they used to shift from cheek to cheek. They couldn't sit still at all. They would fluff my hair or put lipstick on me or thumb through my magazines. They would go to the window and open it if it was closed or close it if it was open but they couldn't stay long with my pain. She said they had no room in their hearts for her pain because they had no room in their hearts for their own. But she said, there were others who could just come in and sit down with me. And if my pain was so intense or I was too fidgety that day and couldn't stand to even be touched, they would just sit quietly next to me. They didn't need to give me anything or to take anything away for themselves. They didn't need to take my pain away and they didn't make me feel that I needed to be different when I was in pain. They had room for my pain because they had room for their own. So this isn't just about conversation, but I think even when we're silent with each other, right? I think everything I've been saying goes for when we are speaking with each other and when we're not, just when we are with each other. 
So I think that's a really powerful and beautiful passage, which I think um, I just want to share. So um, I think because the meditation went long, these remarks end, ended a little bit late for, but I do, I, I do want to leave room for people to say anything. Um, I know like, you know, for example, I know Jim is a, is a therapist and has much more experience doing this than I do. And so Jim, if you have anything to offer um, or anyone else, because we all have experience doing this, right? Both well and not well, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. And one thing as powerful as this can make any conversation you have with someone an opportunity to practice, you know, it really is. So this is why actually Wendy, you know, like, um, oh, um, I know I want to say, but someone, someone asked once about um, whether it was, um, you know, uh, eating silently, mindfully, right. And then and having conversations with others over meals. And I think there's no reason we can't be fully mindful while eating in the company of others, if we approach, you know, conversations around the dinner table, you know, in this way. Um, it's actually like the one time I really, it's a gift, like eating long meals with my kids, and my, you know, it's, it's, yeah. Well, I don't want to keep people. And maybe what I'll say is if someone wants to revisit any aspect of what I said tonight, shoot me a note. And maybe we could just have another night where we just, I don't say anything, but we just share some experiences or thoughts about mindful communication. Because man, talk about a rich, complicated terrain. This is just like a tiny slice of it, right? If, I mean, then we have to talk about what happens when we're having a conversation that's actually upsetting or a conflict oh yeah <laughs> okay so perhaps could we could we sit together for half a minute silently and then we'll say good night okay Thank you, my friends. It's good to see you. Good night. Thank you, Bernie. Thank you.